0: Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible believing, multi ethnic, non denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt, and I'm so excited. You would choose to spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And um, listen, we are going to jump back in to our series through the book of First Corinthians. We've just called it A, a Beautiful Mess. And so uh, before we get in, we're actually going to attempt to bang out two chapters today, chapters 8 and 9, a bold undertaking, but I think we can do this. And so, uh, uh, listen, uh, any of you good, like with practical jokes, like, uh, for the record, uh, I am terrible at practical jokes and I believe this next story will illustrate it. But, uh, do you know, back in, uh, my, my uh, pro hockey playing days, you know, you get a, a bunch of guys that are just spending like all this time together, uh, in their mid twenties. I mean, man, they, we can digress down to pubescent, uh, boy, high school boys in a heartbeat. Right. And sure enough, we did. And so, uh my first year pro we would actually we would fly commercial and so if you can imagine just a team of young men that are just kind of bored waiting to catch their flights and and so what we would do is we'd get a we'd get a dollar bill out or if we were going big fishing we'd get a 20 out right and and put a little bit of fishing line in it we'd put it in the the walkway in the terminal and sure enough someone eventually would see the the dollar or the 20 and then they would go after it and then you just kind of slowly just reel it in reel it in reel it in and watch this guy chasing this dollar bill you know down and then He would see that it was on a fish line, and then we would just all start cracking up laughing. Uh, One guy had the last laugh because we went big uh, fish fishing with a 20 on there, and a a guy saw that the fish line was on it. He jumped on it (laughs) and stole our 20. (laughs) But, but man, there's a a few other things. Like like when you're flying on an airplane, we learned never fall asleep with your shoes off, right? Because what will happen, you're going to wake up, and your shoes, I guarantee you, will be gone because somebody on the team will rip off your shoes, and then you're going to wind up walking through the terminal barefoot. Eventually, your shoes would turn up um, on the, the luggage uh, rack turnstile as it came around, right? So uh, another thing, too, if you fell asleep on the plane, uh, you better be careful because someone's probably going to put shaving cream all on the top of your head. And it's like, it's so light and fluffy, you can't feel it. And so we've actually had uh, a players walk through and they're going through customs, man. Big thing of shaving cream on top of their head and, um, and never... I repeat, never let somebody get your room key because uh, guys will go in. We've had guys like, like they put peanut butter on the, the phone uh, receiver. So when you, you answer the phone, you get like peanut butter all over your ear. Or uh, by far my favorite was, is um, you know we had uh, somebody got the room key to uh, one of our teammates' room and they, they took their entire bedroom and mashed it into the bathroom. Mattress, bed frame the whole thing. <laughs> I'm like, how did he even do that? So, so this poor fool went to go in for pregame nap. There's no bed. Where is it? Oh, it's all in the bathroom. <laughs> so um, anyways, practical jokes is kind of a thing, but I mentioned I'm not very good at it. And uh, I, I recall one time our, our team, we flew uh, to Calgary to play the Calgary Flames and we were in morning skate. It's the skate prior to the game. And um, guys, sometimes you'll goof around and you'll shoot a puck and hit him in the foot. It stings a little bit and then you like giggle and they don't know who did it. And so I'm going to be a practical joker and I I let a puck fly. And I tried to hit this guy, Ulf Samuelson, a teammate of mine, in the skate. Well, it didn't hit him in the skate. He actually stepped on the puck when flying in the air. And he'd recently come off a, a knee reconstructive surgery. So he was hot. He's looking around, who did this? And he thought it was another teammate. He wound up punching our teammate. Next thing you know, this entire brawl broke out on the ice. Like if you can imagine the the opposing team is watching uh, our team fight one another the morning uh, of the game. (laughs) So did I mention that practical jokes don't go well for me? And so, uh, um, and for the record, as, as everybody began, to, we were fighting on our team. Do I need to uh, really uh, uh, answer the question, who won the game that night? <laughs> yeah, we lost. And, and here's, a, I sell that to say this is, um, I want to win. I want to win in the Christian life. I want you to win. I want our church to win. And you know, um, in, in order to win, Paul today is going to say this, Uh, In chapter 8, he's going to say, avoid causing others to stumble. And then in chapter 9, remove obstacles from the gospel. And so we've just called this uh, talk this morning, uh, no stumbling and no obstacles. No stumbling and no obstacles. And so that's where we're headed in the book of 1 Corinthians. And So just to kind of refresh our memory, the the, uh, city of Corinth was actually unbelievably diverse. Um, It was a port city, and so you had all these cultures and ethnicities, diversity of thought and religion colliding uh, in Corinth. It led to a lot of spiritual confusion, uh, sexual confusion. Um, It was a very promiscuous place. In fact, it was highlighted by the Temple of Aphrodite that had a thousand temple prostitutes. And, And so Paul is actually writing this letter to the church at Corinth to try and untangle some knots. And throughout the book, he's actually answering direct questions that the church uh, at Corinth had asked. And, and today we're going to be answering this question that Paul was answering on behalf of the Corinthians. And the, the question they had was this, can you eat meat offered to idols? Right? And so uh, Paul is going to rephrase the question and let him know, it's not, can I eat uh, meat offered to idols? But you should be asking, should I eat meat? offered to idols. And so uh, uh, just for a little uh, uh, context of what Paul's talking about is, is you know that, that in the pagan temples they would offer these false gods, these false deities, um, meat offerings. And so the, a portion would go to the God, a, a portion would go to their high priest and then the rest would be sold um, at, at the butcher shop, all right and it was for public consumption. And so some people thought, oh, you can't eat any meat that's been offered to an idol. And other people in the church thought, well, surely there is no other gods. These gods are just dumb pieces of wood and stone. There's only one true God. And so it's, we're no better if we eat or don't eat, right? And so that's the big question uh, that that Paul will answer in 1 Corinthians 8. And, And so let me read to you 1 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 3. Paul says this, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge, notice knowledge is in parentheses, puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. And so, so Paul highlights this idea that knowledge puffs up, but love, love it always seeks to build up. And so Um, I actually We actually uh, preached this uh, a number of months ago, that Paul uses a unique word, this word for puffed up. I believe it's the word physio uh, in the Greek. It's a rare uh, word, and it means to be inflamed or or, or irritated. It's something uh, that's infected or sore. And so uh, uh, just a little bit of my history, man, I remember as an 11-year-old boy, I had no idea what an appendix was or that I even had one until it got infected and inflamed and eventually burst. Here's what I know as well. Like, you're not even aware uh, that you have a gallbladder or a pancreas unless it's inflamed, irritated, or ill. And so Paul, Paul is, is pointing out this idea of, you know, that this, this idea of being uh, aware of the self, our self. When you become self-inflamed or puffed up, man, it, it becomes a very torturous and painful way to live. And if you don't believe me, I mean, just think about people when when you're just so self-aware, how uncomfortable you can be in a room. You're always, you're tormented by these thoughts. Who's thinking about me? Who's talking about me? What are they saying about me? Um, You have an inability to enjoy other people. I know there's moments when I'm too self-aware and I I go to introduce myself to somebody. They tell me their name and what they do. I don't get any of it because I'm just thinking, I wonder how I'm doing. I wonder how they think, right? And so it's it's an unbelievably painful and brutal way to win, uh, to live. Knowledge it can puff up, and Paul uses knowledge in parentheses because it's he's talking about this this idea of self-righteous pride that can puff uh, an individual up. And, and for the record, we all uh, know this that that pride it was the original sin of Lucifer. It's what made Lucifer uh, become the devil. And and do you remember that the, as the devil tempts Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter three? It says that the serpent, he was more subtle than the other creatures in the garden. And it's this idea of man pride. It can sneak in and sneak up into our own life and even into the church. It's unbelievably subtle and insidious. And, and uh, listen, I'll throw myself under the bus, so uh, uh, I'm not proud of this moment, but uh, we have on our staff, we have weekly prayer calls where as a staff and as a team we get on and we get on a conference call number and we pray for the church, we pray for our nation, so on and so forth. And And so I'm waiting on the prayer call and nobody on my staff is getting on. And so I have all these thoughts. Once again, I'm not proud of this, but I'm like, man, I'm the only one getting up for this prayer call. These other guys, man, they're probably sleeping or doing something. Man, don't they know I'm like Elijah, I'm the only one, oh Lord, (laughs) right? So uh, come to find out, no, I was the only moron that punched in the wrong conference call number. They were all waiting for me on the real conference call number, right? And so so that's pride for you. And listen, like pride, this self-righteousness, man, it can creep into the church. And we want no part of it uh, here at Every Nation, New Jersey. Like I, I've seen some places, man, you see people, oh, oh. I, I noticed that in worship, you don't raise your hands when you worship. Hmm. One day you'll get there, though, bud. Keep trying. <laughs> you know, or, or I've seen people, man, judge people by what version of the Bible you read. You know, it's like, oh, you only read the, the uh, NIV version. Oh, that's cute. You know, it's an eighth grade reading level. I, however, have the ESV study Bible. <laughs> so, so we see this, this pride and self-righteousness uh, that, that can creep into the church, and we're laughing about it, but it's unbelievably deadly. And so get this, like Paul, when he's writing here, he, he's not anti-knowledge. He's pro-humility. We can read it again in, in 1 Corinthians 8.2. Notice what he says. If anyone imagined that he knows something, he doesn't know yet as he ought to know. He's saying, hey, we, we need to have uh, humility and not think just because we get a little bit of knowledge, we, we know uh, all the breadth of knowledge that suddenly we're omniscient and know it all like God. Uh, we just don't. In fact, uh, I'll prove it to you. I'm reading a, a book. It was on a uh, belief formation. And, and I love this. Uh, it, it gives this quote. It says this, how much do you think you know about each of the following topics? More, less, or the same? And here he goes. He lists off a list uh, a few things. Why English became the official language of the United States. Why women were burnt at the stake in Salem. What job Walt Disney had before he drew Mickey Mouse. On which space flight humans first laid eyes on the Great Wall of China. Why eating candy affects how kids behave. Uh, uh, On the questions above, if you felt you knew anything at all, think again. America has no official language. Uh, Suspected witches were hanged in Salem, but not burned. Walt Disney didn't draw Mickey Mouse. It was the work of an animator. And you can't actually see the Great Wall of China from space. And the average effect of sugar on children's behavior is zero. Nothing. See, the, the author's point is not to be like, boom, mic drop, gotcha. It's not doing that. It's to instill humility that, hey, maybe we don't know as much as we think we know. In fact, did you know um, you and I are called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You know, the word disciple, it simply means this, a learner. And in order to be a learner, we have to have the posture of humility. This posture that, hey, we don't know it all. And notice this in in verse 3. Paul says, what's even more important than what you know, it's who knows you. Remember, it says, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Like, what an amazing Thought that the God of the universe knows you. Like I always reference this one, but it, it, man, if you haven't seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, shame on you. Uh, it stars like like Matt Damon and Robin Williams and. And uh, in it, Robin Williams plays this counselor, and he's, he's in a counseling session with Matt Damon, and, and he's telling uh, the story um, uh, of, of his wife. And he says this, he says, "You know what? My, my wife used to fart in her sleep, And it you know, elicits all this laughter, but it immediately downshifts into something so serious. He goes He goes, "God I miss her." He goes, "My wife's been dead for years now." And those are the the silly, crazy things that I always seem to remember about her. He says, the little idiosyncrasies, the things that I and only I knew about her, it was what made her my wife. And see, do you know in the same way that God, he knows all your idiosyncrasies, that the God of the universe knows you. He knows your quirks. He knows knows your fears and your insecurities. He knows your hopes and your dreams. Like God knows you and get this. He loves you so much so that he sent his one and only son to die for you. And so, uh, I mean, I I think there's some of you out there today, I don't know if you saw the new iPhone update, that, that you can unsend text messages. Praise God for that, right? And I think some of you, you think, man, if God knows me, he surely wants to unsend his son on my behalf. And it's just not true. Man, God knows you and was glad to give his one and only son on your behalf. Um, if I can just recap the bulk of, of, of uh, um, chapter 8, is this, is Paul's like, he's like, you're right, it is okay to meet, meet offered to idols uh, because there is only one God, the one true God, Yahweh, right? And he says, he says you're no better off if you eat it or you don't. He says, but, and here's the big but of Paul's letter, he says, if my eating is going to cause my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat. Look at this in verse uh, 13. Paul says, Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother to stumble. See, remember, like like knowledge puffs up, but love, it seeks to build up one another. It's the beauty of the kingdom of God. I build you, you build me, and together we're building up. Think about how opposite that is of our world today with cynicism and, and skepticism today. and We're just tearing one another down. It's contrary to the kingdom of God. And so um, uh, now, now listen, now I need to bring this to 2023 because I'm, I'm guessing not many of us are struggling and wrestling with meat offered to idols. Uh, but, uh, but I will say this, is, is this is a great opportunity uh, for me to address kind of what's known as gray areas um, in the faith, and so what that means is, do you know that there's there's certain things that that in, that the Bible doesn't explicitly uh, speak to or prohibit? They're are gray areas, right? They're areas of, of concerts, uh of conscience. However, the Christians they hold strong uh, uh, in conviction around certain issues. Right, And they they range from uh, a huge spectrum of things. And and it could lead to conflict. It could lead to knowledge that puffs up uh, instead of building up. And so let me give you, can I give you some of these gray areas here today? Gray areas in the body of Christ. You ready for them? Uh, Alcohol or no alcohol? Uh, Tattoos or no tattoos? Uh, Halloween or no Halloween? Santa Claus? No Santa Claus. Um, How about dating relationships? Like, how far is too far? How far can you go? Because I know some Christians that, that they don't kiss until the altar, and I know, I know uh, other people that are living together and they're not married. Okay? Um, how about this? Uh, I'll really bring it up to 2023. Uh, sports betting? Gambling? How about the lottery? Okay? What, what, what do we do about that? Uh, here's another one. 2023. Legalized marijuana, right? So, so there's these, these gray areas that, that the, the the Bible doesn't speak to. Thou shall not smoke pot, right? But it, but it does speak to some other things. And so so alcohol historically has been a gray area that Christians have really kind of divided over. And, and there, there's there's varying ends to the spectrum here. And so let's let's address alcohol. And so um, you will not find thou shall not drink uh, in the Bible. Uh, you will find that it's clear thou that you won't get you're not to be drunk. And so, um, uh, but but there's there's other scriptures as well that, that almost seem to advocate it. Like the first miracle of Jesus was what he made water into wine for a wedding festival. Okay, and so so what do we do with this? Um, I, I would say this, you know, that that sometimes um, that that things are are more cultural uh, in uh, than they are biblical. And so if, if you were to go to Germany there, you know, it wouldn't be uncommon that, that after your service in your German um, church, that, that you would go to like hospitality at our place, you have water uh, and coffee there, you're going to have some beer in their hospitality, right? But... If a, if a Baptist, Southern Baptist, was to go to that place, he would be like, this is blasphemous. You're serving beer at a church, right? You can see there's some things that are, that are cultural and not necessarily uh, biblical. And so um, uh, here's another one. How about this, like uh, tattoos? Tattoos. Do you know that, that someone was, in our church was so adamant that you're not to have tattoos that they literally left our church? Um, they, they said that, that I was uh, advocating or I believe in tattoos. His words, not mine, okay? Um, and, but I will just want to be clear, like, like uh, hey, for my, my, my youngest daughter, she was all into me. She wanted to get a tattoo, wanted to get a tattoo. And uh, I was like, baby, you're not getting a tattoo till you get 18. Then you can kind of do what you want. Uh, but listen, my, my, my motivation wasn't biblical. Uh, it was actually a wisdom issue. Uh, she wanted to get her horse's name tattooed on her arm. I just didn't think it was wise. You know why? Because our horse's name is Big Boy. I don't think uh, having Big Boy tattooed across your forearm is a great idea, right? I think it's going to uh, pose a few questions for people, right? But, um, but listen, I understand uh, why this guy was so convicted around tattoos. I'll actually read the scripture that, that, that he'll reference. is Leviticus 19, verses 20, uh, verse 28. It says this, You shall not make any cuts on your body for the dead, or tattoo yourselves. I am the Lord. But it, but if I could pull some of the context out of that, see, so he's, he's like he's saying, hey, you're not to cut yourself for the dead uh, or to tattoo yourself. These were pagan practices um, that, that were being done, and so the the idea is not to fall into pagan worship and whatnot. And so and for the record, if we want to uh, if we're going to align our life with the Book of Leviticus, we should probably align it with all of it. So did you know in the book of Leviticus, Levitical law was this, that if you had a, re- a rebellious child, that you were to bring that child out and then the people were to stone that child to death. <laughs> so uh, some of your kids might be bugging you right now, so you might like want to bring that law back again. But I'm guessing you don't want to live by that. See, praise God through the cross of Christ Jesus. He fulfilled all the law for us. And so we're, we're no longer under the Levitical law. We are under the moral law uh, of God as Christ followers, right? And, and listen, I, man, if you're a tattoo wearer, God bless you. I can't pull it off. I'm too old and hairy. <laughs> but uh, man, man, I love, uh, there's one woman, uh, Sherry, in our church. Uh, she, uh, she was actually going through chemo uh, for cancer, and, and she had a tattoo on her forearm. It was uh, of Jesus, it was footprints in the sand. And if you remember that that poem, it's that Jesus carried me. And she used this tattoo as she was uh, receiving her chemotherapy, and she would use it to minister and testify to the nurse that Jesus is carrying me through this difficult time, right? And so, um, um, let, let me just uh, kind of put a bow on this this section is. So I remember my, my first year pro in the NHL. Uh, my uh, NHL head coach was a guy, Jack Evans. They called him Tex. And he was actually nominated for coach of the year. And so I'm like, man, this guy's got to be so wise and what an amazing coach. And I remember he gave this very bizarre speech with, I don't think I actually understood it until right now. And he came in and he said this. He's like, men, he says, if you hold a bird too loose, it'll just fly away. He goes, but if you hold it too tight... It's just going to poop in your hand, except uh, he's a hockey coach and and I'm a pastor. So he didn't say poop, he used another word, right? And uh, I was like, I don't think I really understood that until probably right now as a pastor, because I see these two extremes, you know, where some people, man, they just squeeze down so hard, man, it's the law, it's the law, and other people are way too loose, man. And and you're, you're just opening your life up to sin. And so like these two extremes are this, like, like some of you are prone to legalism or you're a legalist. And so what you do is is you take your personal convictions and then you, you see them as a command and then you project those on other people. And then when, when other people don't live your convictions, then you're judgmental and self-righteous towards them. It is the sin of Eve. Do you remember that what, what Eve did in Genesis 3.3? Uh, she told the serpent She's like, yeah, God said we, we can't eat of the tree, we can't even touch it. And and God's gotta be like, I never said that. You're 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 adding to the law, like that's your conviction, but I never said that. He's he's gotta be like Eve. Man, you can climb the tree if you want, you can build a tree house in the tree if you want, you just can't eat the fruit of it, right? And so so adding to the law of God. Um, it's the legalist. But then you go on the other end of the spectrum. Is, is the license person, the person that uses Christian liberty and the grace of God as a license to sin. And so you're, you're the guy, hey, hey, we're, if we're free to drink, we can drink alcohol and we just can't get drunk. But you just consistently find yourself waking up in the back of an El Camino, not remembering what happened the next day. Like Like if one beer leads to 10, I mean, no, that's a problem. If a glass of wine leads to a bottle of wine, You're fooling yourself, okay? Let's just call it what it is. It's sin that alcohol is controlling you. You're not controlling it, right? It's sinful and it's wrong. Um, And so, are we free to watch and listen to whatever we want? You know, uh, yeah, you're free to, but but is it wise to? Paul is going to go on in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Later on, he's going to say this. Hey, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up and so um, um, many of you remember the the comedian actor Woody Allen and he was uh, married to Mia Farrow and uh, they had, they actually had a stepdaughter uh, who, who was a, a younger girl they adopted her name was Sun Yi and uh, it was discovered later on that Woody Allen was having an affair uh, with his underaged uh, stepdaughter uh, they would eventually get married and, and just to kind of cover up or make an excuse for this this wicked behavior he says, Woody Allen just says this, hey, the heart wants what the heart wants. And uh, I, I just want to i want to correct him in this. No, Woody, the heart wants what the heart's fed. And so whatever you're putting into your eyes, into your ears, it's feeding your heart, and you're going to want more and more of that. So, so can you watch whatever you want and listen to whatever you want? Sure, but should you? That's a different question. I just said for myself in my own life, Listen, I, I don't always listen to Christian music and whatnot, man. When I'm working out, man, I like to listen to other tunes. And and there's been moments where I've just been moved uh, by secular music to the, man, I hear the voice of God and move to tears at times. Uh, but I have noticed this, that if I watch like too much TV, too much social media, man, I I, I start, I get a, a lazy mouth. And, and as well, I start laughing at stuff that God thinks is irreprehensible, And so I I need to watch, what am I feeding my heart? What are we feeding our heart? And so here's three uh, questions that you should ask in gray areas of our life. Here's number one. Will it honor God? Will it honor God? Um, Paul says, man, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Number two is this. Will it cause others to stumble? Will will my liberty uh, cause others to stumble? If so, I won't do it. Remember, Paul says, I won't eat meat then. Um, Number three is this. Uh, will this strengthen or weaken my faith? And so I think those are three really good questions to ask uh, when it comes to gray areas. And then um, uh, if I could share this with you, uh, I promise you my staff will amen me on this. I've had really one consistent prayer uh, from the inception of our church. I- I'm asking God, God, make us a spiritual family. God, I pray, make our church a family. I'm not interested in, in building an organization or a big meeting on Sunday, but but I'm asking God to build a family. And, and have you ever uh, noticed the dynamic of a family? Like, I'll, I'll use mine as an example. Like, um, isn't it amazing how, man, you could just disagree about so much with your family. Like uh, Like my wife, Susan, she insists on putting 93 octane in the car and she insists on making the bed. And I just think it's a waste of time and a waste of money, all right? Uh, my daughter, Cassie, get this. She's trying to convince me that 500 bucks is a deal for Taylor Swift tickets, right? Again, I think it's a big waste of money. In fact, uh, my daughter, Cassie, as well. She's like OCD about her food. Like, she's got to have organic chicken, and then she's still got to cut it all up and trim it up the. there's nothing left. I'm like, hey, man, I'll, I'll eat your garbage trimmings. <laughs> you know, it's like this. And, uh, and then my youngest daughter, uh, Elizabeth, uh, she doesn't tithe, and I think she's robbing God. And so here's what's crazy. Like, like, we disagree about all this kind of stuff, but you know what? It's all just secondary stuff, isn't it? But, but we agree on the main thing, and it's the main thing that keeps us all together, that we're family that we love one another. And despite our little secondary disagreements, man, it's love in this idea that, man, we are in this for one another forever. And, and, and that's what I hope us to be here at Every Nation New Jersey, is a spiritual family. So there's a, there's an old saying in the church. Some people have accredited it to uh, St. Augustine. There's controversy around that, but I think it's a powerful statement and it's applicable uh, to uh, to secondary differences uh, in the body of Christ. And here's what they are. Uh, Augustine or whoever says this, in essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. i repeat that. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. Or that's the Old Testament way of, King James Version way of saying love. All right, in all things, love. And so let's uh, let's just talk about this briefly like like in essentials, there's, there's unity, there's unity in the body of Christ. And, and so there are essentials to our faith. Like, like there's things, they call it the, the closed hand of theology. Like these are non-negotiable essentials that, that, man, the virgin birth, that we believe in the Trinity and in the inerrancy of scripture, salvation by grace through faith, right? All these different things. We must believe on these things or we're actually not a Christian, and so, uh, we, like, when we just talk about this, hey, let's just all agree and get along, it's kind of the, the spirit of the day that, hey, it's re- we're all a bunch of relativists or universalists that, hey, your truth is your truth and my truth is... But no, we're saying as Christians, we believe this is the truth. And the closed hand uh, of theology, it is a core belief that makes us a family. But, so uh, in that, there's unity. But in non-essentials, there's liberty. Or in other words, there's Freedom. Man, that, that man, you might believe this, and I believe this, but, but in the essentials we agree. So the secondary things we can disagree on, and we still uh, can do life with each other. So can I give you some non-essentials? Like like how about like tongues or no tongues uh, in the church, right? I mean, you we can disagree uh, on that, and still walk together as brothers in Christ. Uh, End times theology. Pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, right? I don't even know what I believe in, in my uh, eschatology, all right? And some of you don't even know what that word means, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, uh, how about this baptism? Man, sprinkle, dunk, uh, chill, infant baptism, believer's baptism. You know, we can disagree on certain areas and still walk together. Uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Are they for today? Did they go away with the apostles and with the the writing of the canonization of scripture? Right? We can walk together. These are open handed areas of theology. Closed hand on the essentials, open hand on the non essentials. And then I love this in all things charity, in all things love. Because love, it is the defining characteristic of the believer. Jesus says, They will know you're my disciple by the love you have one another. He goes on and say, man, we are to love our neighbor and even notch it up a level uh, uh, more than that. You're to love your enemies, right? And so um, we may disagree and we might not be able to walk together. But at the end of the day, I'm still called to love those that that maybe I can't walk with. All right. And then Paul goes on in 1 Corinthians 9. He's actually going to take it another step because he talks about uh, in, in chapter 8, not causing our brother to stumble but now he's going to also talk about, hey, removing obstacles from the gospel. He says this in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 9, uh, in verse 12, uh, he says this. He says, uh, if others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more. And so here's what he's referring to. He's referring to that, that when, when apostles would come through um, and they had preached the gospel, uh, they would get paid by uh, the church. Uh, for doing their job, right? For for ministering to the gospel, they would get paid for doing that. Paul's going to forego his payment. Uh, it says this, nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put, here it is, an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And so there are some people saying, oh, Paul's just in this for the money or whatever. He's like, fine, I won't take a salary. I'll get my own job. And he became a tent maker, and he would work during the day and preach during night. See, he, his, uh, he did away with his right to a paycheck. Why? So there would be no obstacles to the, to the gospel. And uh, it's funny, I, I see us do this in our, in our church and, in, in, in maybe uh, uh, more simple ways. Is, um, like uh, Pastor Dottie Flanagan, uh, our women's pastor, uh, if, if you know her, like, like in worship, she is very charismatic. Man, she's like dancing, hands going. Sometimes she'll be on her face, sobbing. You know, She's just kind of all over the place in her her worship. It's very overt to God. Well, she's recognized the fact, hey, when I'm sitting in front, it can be very distracting to people. So what does she do? She forgoes her right, and she goes to the back of the church. She'll dance and worship God uh, freely, but she does it in a way that's not an obstacle to the gospel. Um, how, How about this? Um, uh, how about this uh, uh, as well? You know, we're, we're very charismatic uh, at Every Nation New Jersey. I call it we're, we're charismatic with a seatbelt. And what that means is we believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and we'll get to that later on in the book of 1 Corinthians. But having said that, we're aware uh, who, who's in the audience. And there's a place uh, for the gifts to operate. And so uh, I, I can still remember the first time I went to this crazy Pentecostal church. And everyone started speaking in tongues. Wigged me out, man. I'm like, okay, I need to get out of this place because this is weird. <laughs> uh, but then when I was able, to someone was able to sit down with me and unpack the scriptures with me. Oh, okay, it's in the Bible. I believe it, and I'm down with it, <laughs> right? And so, so in, in church, we we don't like from the podium and from the front. We're not usually overtly just speaking uh, in tongues uh, until there's a setting where we have an opportunity to unpack. Hey, this is what's taking place, um, and, and as well. I'll give you one more example, and then uh, we'll, we'll move on. Is uh, I remember we were trying to to plant a church in Newark, New Jersey, right in the inner city, and in a, a fellow, a, a deacon. Uh, of mine, he went. His name was Sean, and Sean's an African American man. As you can tell, I'm a white dude, and so we were going to Inner City Newark, which is predominantly African American in there. And so uh, we just posed the question: What if we plant a church here, and and they're not receptive to having a white pastor? And and so I was just like, Hey, Sean, if that's the case, then you're the pastor, and I'll be the deacon, all right? <laughs> because we just didn't want any obstacles uh, to the gospel. Who cares? Uh, who does what? As long as we win, right? I want to win. Um, in the body of Christ. And so, um, can I give you a, just a few obstacles to the gospel? Like, like are you presenting an obstacle to pre- re- people receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, I, I, I've seen people, Christians, um, that um, they're stingy and cheap. And because of that, it becomes an obstacle to the gospel. Like, I've seen Christians that are mean and critical. And because of that, it's an obstacle to the gospel Of Christ, Um, I've shared my own story. Like like early on in my Christian life, man, I had a terrible mouth. It was an obstacle to the gospel. And and I'm 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 gonna really just uh uh, meddle here this morning. Do you know? I think some of us were more political than spiritual, and it's becoming an obstacle to the gospel. Uh, We want to build bridges, not walls, between other people. I'll I'll read a quote: Ralph Waldo Emerson. He says this: Your actions speak so loudly, I cannot hear what you are saying, right? And so, uh, um, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna land the plane with this. Uh, last, uh, I'm gonna read to you First Corinthians chapter nine, verse nineteen. But before I do, I gotta ask you: Like, are there are there any gamers uh, watching today? Like, uh, man, board games, video games, is that you today? Normally, it's okay because normally I rail on video game guys, uh, but I'm not gonna do that today. Because Paul has an amazing new game for you and I, those people that love to game. He says this in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Paul says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more of them. (laughs) Did you get that? Paul's like, hey, this is an exciting new game we have. Let's see how many people we can serve and then we can win them for Christ. <laughs> I think that is a good game. The first one to 10 wins, okay? And, and so, man, I, I want to challenge you, man. And, and Paul's what he's talking about is we, we don't win them to Christ, but here's what we do. As we serve people and love people well, now we create space where people can receive and are receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I can't save people, but the gospel the gospel can save people, all right? And when they're receptive and open to it, man, we can win. So last story, and we'll pray, is uh, there's actually a, a young man in our church. His name is David Rodriguez, and I can remember he he uh, he and his girlfriend started coming around to church, and David and he had this ponytail. He's a martial arts guy, and he was kind of like, at the time, he's kind of like, you know, everything's God, and you know, the the uh, the nature's, nature's God, and all this kind of stuff, and but he started being drawn to the gospel. And I remember, man, just loving this kid and man, just trying to get coffee with him, talk to him, serve him and do all this uh, until one day I just felt led by the Holy Spirit. It was, it was a Sunday, I knew he was gonna be there at church and I'm like, this is his day. I felt like from the Lord, man, this guy is gonna get born again and receive Jesus today. And so I'm up preaching and what happens at the end of service? Pastor Bruce Ho, my associate pastor, he's actually down in front praying with David Rodriguez, and I'm like, hey man, that's my guy. That's my guy. I remember running down off the stage and get over there, and I'm like, hey Bruce, this is my guy. We're going to tag team this, and we can each get a half uh, in, in sharing the win, okay? <laughs> and so, uh, man, we, we prayed for David, and, and he and his, his beautiful family are here, here at our church to this day, but man, who are you serving that we might win as many as possible? Let's pray. Father, just uh, we thank you, uh, God, this morning for the privilege of gathering together. And Lord, I pray that you would examine our hearts this morning. God, for those of us that, that maybe have just been uh, erring on the side of license and greasy grace, Lord. God, I pray that, you, Lord, you give us the strength, uh, Lord, to walk uh, in a way that's holy and pleasing in your sight. For those of us that, that walked in the, in the strict legalism, God, I pray that may the grace of God, Lord, flow over our life. Lord, may there be a freedom and a liberty uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for those that that this morning don't know you. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as, as the gospel saves, and that you would know this morning that Jesus died for your sins. He rose again on the third day, that you might know eternal life with him. Lord, I pray that each and every one far from you Would receive you this morning in Jesus' name. And if you'd like to, if you wanted to receive Jesus this morning, man, if you just said a simple amen to that prayer, amen just means so be it. I believe God will meet you in your faith. So we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Every nation, New Jersey. Well, listen, the sermon's over. We're not quite finished. I just want to encourage you that you can remain faithful in your tithing and your giving. Thank you to all of you that are partnering with us in the gospel. Um, And there's three ways that you can help uh, tithe and give financially to our church. You can go to our website, encnj.org, and just hit the giving icon. Or you can uh, text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977. It's a very convenient way. My family and I give that way. Or you can mail in your check and money order right here to 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morse Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you uh, as you are faithful to give. Every Nation, Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty amazing too. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.